Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, where two best friends tell each other stories about true crime, history, and other shenanigans. I'm Courtney. And I'm Ashley. And Ashley, I'm terrified of finding a dead body. Because of the possible active serial killer in Cleveland, or just like generally afraid? There's like apparently three, because our local news is running Wait, a thing on it. Like three possible serial killers? Yeah, it's downtown Cleveland, so I'm far enough away. They won't drive out here, hopefully. Yeah, Except unless for- they're disposing of the bodies. No, there's too many people. They'll go out to Ashtabula. It's fine. It's known a body drop. <laughs> drop. Yeah, I feel like I remember you telling me that before. Yeah, there's there the cop to people ratio and land ratio in Ashtabula County is so low that they cannot search it. Like they're like if you want to drop a body and you're in like the Cleveland area, that's the perfect place to go because there's not enough cops. Not that we endorse you dropping bodies. Don't drop. Don't bodies. do it. It's a bad choice. But if you're gonna, <laughs> I know that's what I was thinking. <laughs> now, um, I guess I should tell. So, what was it? I have the screenshot. I don't know what day it was. It's quite but... a saga. You guys got to buckle up because it was it was a bummer when it was happening. <laughs> uh, so it was because we didn't record last week. Um, it was last Tuesday. Yeah, and I'm gonna read you the text that I sent Ashley. <laughs> Which was a screenshot of a text I sent my other friend who was already texting. Um, um, I just heard a series of gunshots by my house. I live in the woods. Like, there's one neighbor that shoots guns, but they're, like, I don't have to worry about it because if they're going to hit, a, like, my house, they have to shoot, like, really far up because there's a ravine there. This was not them. And it was 8 o'clock at night, dark out, like, pitch black. And her response was, you do live near the woods, right? Yes. I said, yeah, there was one, then three, quiet. Then I was trying to figure out where I was coming from. Then three more. And then I could hear people talking from the northeast part. Because I know my directions, bitches. Freaking Boy Scout over there. I know where the lake is. I can figure any direction from the lake. <laughs> There's, there is a house there, but not on my street. So basically, if it's the house I think it was, I'd have to cut all the way through the woods. And that's not our property anymore. And go on a northeast diagonal until I hit like the next street. Which isn't that far. But no one's shooting like a gun off like that at night in my town. We don't get murder. We get embezzlement. <laughs> a very white collar crime neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so naturally I start freaking out because I went out and I heard yelling and I heard someone like, ah, gone. Cause it's far enough away. Like, and it's a clear night so I can hear some things, but not clearly. And so I start getting paranoid because I'm like, well, if it's a house, I think it is. They can walk to my house and I don't have my nearest neighbor's phone number because they're, they're newer to the neighborhood. I'm like, what do I do? I'm here alone. What do I do? And Ashley, what was your your advice? Um, call the fucking cops. And you were like, uh, I don't have their address. And I said, give them yours that they can work from there. And you were like, I'm going to call my dad. I did. I called my dad. <laughs> well, because like. Are, like we're we're kind of rural suburban area so like i call the cops and say it's in that direction first of all there's like six cops in our town you could spare one of them from the white collar division to come out and investigate fucking gunshots okay thank you very much they're on traffic patrol they're not doing that with white collar <laughs> crime that goes automatically up to the county probably <laughs> you would be surprised actually not so much so i actually be sheriff thank you very much <laughs> our sheriff does more than that um but yeah so his response was well if you don't know what house it is we'll wait and see because their neighbors probably heard it too and then i was like well am i being paranoid he goes better paranoid than dead <laughs> <It> <laughs> is true 
And then he said he was up at the bar with his friend and would I feel more comfortable joining him. So I went to the bar. She was like, that's how yes, I dealt with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will. I'll meet you there. Had two beers, felt a little bit better, came home. Everyone else was home, felt a lot better. Well, no, and so, like, you called me while you were driving up to the bar. And I was like, um, like, maybe, was it Target practice? And she goes, it's dark. And I was like, oh, right. Okay, well, that's good. Good point. My sister did offer a valid kind of thing like it's an animal but it was like like the three Maybe. like it was weird of that yeah i don't know it was a weird. so like, if you have theories please tweet at us because i want to know and i'm terrified because now the dog's running into the woods so naturally i think there's a dead body in my backyard i feel like even though it's been cold out you'd probably smell it by now if there were not if they put it closer to like in between our two houses because it's pretty far back mm. Because we have about... You might uh, just have to, like, sack up and go find out. I try to convince my dad to do it with me. (laughs) I would say you'd be fine with schnitzel, but, like, if there is something there, knowing schnitzel, she would want to, like, try to, like, nudge at it and try to get it to play. And that would not work. I'm afraid she's going to try to eat it. That's Also that. I was trying to skirt around that idea in my brain. Because then I just get the image. And that's not good. But... Yeah... It was pretty much just like, I don't want to find a body. I like talking about this stuff. I don't want to find it. Yeah, you don't want, like, discussing it as an abstract ish thing is one mm-hmm. thing. But then, like, being part of it and finding it is, is a whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah. No one in my family, they're all like, it's a dead animal. And I'm like, I mean, what it if could it's be. Not? It could be, though. But what if it's not? But what if it is? Your <laughs> body. Okay. I know. Uh, so congratulations, because we had someone, she's guessed it a couple times, Cra- Cowtown Crime Blog guessed the answer of what we're talking about today correctly. Yeah, like within five minutes, I was like, no, I can't respond to that, because, <laughs> like, how do I say yes, but shush, and still sound okay, like, not be a dick about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, but. she guessed Poe, and she was correct, because we were going to talk about Edgar Allan Poe. So my notes for this, I think I did these Sunday. I don't remember. When did I text you and ask hypothetically, which of these two vague subjects would you rather I do? Um, but <laughs> I was, I editorialized a lot on my own notes. So get ready for that because it's all parentheses. I think it's hilarious, but we'll find out. All right, so... Wait, before we go into this, if you love Edgar Allan Poe, please go check out Shipwreck Comedies. Yes! Wonderful. Like, they have a little mini-series kind of thing on Poe, and then they have Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party, which Ashley and I have watched together. I've forced people to watch it, and generally, like, I made Corinne watch it at work. Like, she would come in and, and sit with me, at lunch and I would just play it (laughs) make her watch it (laughs) she was like that's pretty good but um no I I love I think the raven was probably the first poem (laughs) that I ever like remembered parts of verbatim when I was like 12 nerd I know so my notes start so Edgar Allan Poe favorite poet of moody teenagers across the country and maybe the world was born in Boston on January 19th, 1809. Um, his parents were both actors. His parents were both actors, but he and his older brother William were orphaned by 1811, so he was two. Solid. Sad day. 
Well, and so, like, if I remember right, his dad died first, and then his mom died within a year. Love? So, syphilis? Uh, they were actors, so maybe. I don't know. They, poor, it didn't so they died of poor people disease. Back then, you could really just lump a bunch of things together and say poor person's disease, and it was kind of true. Probably. Like, if you think of where the theater district is, like, could have been a variety of things. I don't know what you're doing. Why are you voguing? Oh. <laughs> Why are you voguing right now? <laughs> It's my symbol for the theater. So I always kind of wondered why, like, because it's always Edgar Allan Poe. And Allan is not his middle name. No. But he was taken in, but never formally adopted, which is apparently important for some reason, by John and Francis Allen. Francis Do you want to know why? Because it's their last name. Well, no, you just don't get everything that's entitled. Like, if he was formally adopted, he's formally their child. So legally, he I mean, is they, their child. They raised him, and, like, they, he was two. They took him in when he was two. And his brother, too. They took his brother in. But, like, I don't remember why they didn't adopt him, but apparently there was a reason. Um, also, you have to figure that the legal proceedings are probably pretty expensive, because they're not cheap now. And, like, maybe they just couldn't afford it. But, so... <sighs> where was I? All right. So Poe may have become engaged to Sarah Elmira Royster before he registered at the one-year-old University of Virginia in February of 1826. Um, He was enrolled to study ancient and modern languages, but he gave up after a year and did not feel welcome returning to Richmond, uh, especially when he learned that his sweetheart, Sarah, had married some other dude named Alexander Shelton. So there's that. Um, that seems like they weren't actually engaged, or yeah, she like was I just like. I feel like that's one of those things where he's like, in his head, they're engaged, and in her head, she's like, oh, he's a nice guy. <laughs> like, I think they're on two different levels of that relationship. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like, I'm gonna marry her. And she goes, we met three times. You know what movie that is? Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the um, Delia Chanel. It's uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer. Yeah, yeah. she's like, I don't want this. And he's like, right. he's like, life. yeah, I feel. Yeah, that's a pretty good. That's a good analogy. Um, so he doesn't want to go back to Richmond, which is where he had been growing up. Um, it's hot there. That's what I hear. Uh, <laughs> so he travels to Boston in April of 1827. It says he sustained himself with odd jobs as a clerk and a newspaper writer. And at some point he starts using the pseudonym Henri Le Rene. What was that? It's French. It's Henri Le Rene. <laughs> I would do that, but I have too much post-nasal drip happening to do it safely without dying. <laughs> so I'm getting the eyebrows. <laughs> She's like, do it. Record your death. It's fine. <laughs> okay. No, I just want to hear it. The odd jobs thing is not going great. So he decides to enlist in the army. Um as a private on May 27th, 1827. But, like, he uses the name Edgar A. Perry. I don't know why. I don't know why he didn't use his own name. Like, what is his deal? How old is he? Uh, so, he claims that he's 22, but he's actually 18. That's why. Well, yeah, well, like, you can lie about, lying about his age and still use the same name, though. Clearly, they're not fact-checking him, so... I don't know. Anyway. He might not have wanted to be found either. Maybe. Seems like some shady shit he would do. I love him, but he's real shady. He first serves at Port Independence in Boston Harbor for $5 a month. 
which back then that's pretty solid money. Um, he was discharged on April 15th, 1829 after he secured a replacement to finish his enlisted term for him because he's like, I'm out. But the army was like, no, you're not. You're not done. You still have um, time left on the contract he signed. So he found someone to take over the contract for him. Poor people. So pretty much subletted his army <laughs> career. Welcome to the U.S. Army. We were funded on the backs of people who couldn't afford to pay their way out. Yup. Weren't all the great empires? Because cause we're great again. I don't know if you missed that. We're back. I would like someone to define the word great for me, and then we'll get into postmodernism and then post-structuralism, and then I'll just cry. I mean, apparently we've been using it wrong all these years. <laughs> I thought I knew what it meant, but no. no. Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> so, he sublets his enlistment. Stop it with your fucking <laughs> eyebrows. Oh my god. So, he leaves the army. And decides, I'm going to go to West Point. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You leave the military to go more military? Yeah. So he, like, decides. So before he goes in, he moves back to Baltimore for a little bit. And he stays with, like, his widowed aunt Maria, her daughter Virginia. And it was his cousin. So he moves with his widowed aunt Maria, her daughter Virginia, or just his cousin, his brother Henry, and his and I'm quoting here, invalid grandmother Elizabeth Cairns Poe. So I don't know why it's important that she was involved, but it didn't feel like taking her out of the list. Um, so he goes to West Point from there um, as a cadet on July 1st of 1830. And then in October, so John Allen, um, his first wife passed away at some point because he gets married a second time. And... <laughs> Just a, a given point, she dies. Yeah, it's never really mentioned that she dies, but then it says, in October of 1830, John Allen married his second wife, Louisa Patterson. The marriage and bitter quarrels with Poe over the children born to Allen out of affairs led to the foster father finally disowning Poe. So then he decides to leave West Point, but he's like, I'm not just going to quit. So he gets purposely court-martialed, <laughs> which I kind of love. So he, like does all of this bad shit to try to get himself kicked out and it pretty much works um can i just say this is basically an episode of the dollop yeah pretty much yeah so what horrible things do you have to do to get court-martialed at that period well on february 8th 1831 he was tried for gross neglect of duty disobedience of orders for refusing to attend formations classes and or church um he <laughs> tactically pleads not guilty to induce dismissal, knowing that he would be found guilty. Um, the same year, Edgar's older brother dies of illness. In parentheses, I put probs because he was an alcoholic, um, which he was because he died from complications of that. But yeah, so same year, rough year. Um, after that, Edgar's like, I'm going to go into publishing because, you know, logical move. Uh, <laughs> He gets a, so, September 22nd, 1835, Poe obtains a license to marry his cousin Virginia, although it's unknown if they were married at that time, which is important because he was 26 and she was 13 fucking years old. What the hell? In parentheses, in all caps, I just wrote, yikes. Because What are you, like a freaking? <sighs> like, I always, like, I knew that she was younger than him by quite a bit, but like, 13 dude you are literally twice her age right now i don't want it no bueno i'll have to dig into the war of the roses because there's one that might be worse than that but only barely worse than that 
Okay, but keep in mind they're also first cousins. So fucked up babies. I'm pretty sure they didn't get. Yeah, that's probably but, good because fucked up babies. Look at the Habsburgs. They got a wonky jaw out of it. <laughs> the Ptolemies with the stoop. It's a whole thing. You don't want to do it. Hemophilia of the Romanovs. Yep. Um, okay, so Edgar Allan Poe is best known for poems and short stories such as The Raven, The Fall of the House of Usher, The Telltale Heart, Annabelle Lee, which, yep, that's the one from Holes for everyone who just is real basic. Holes is not basic. Holes is a great book. It's a it's great movie. movie, too, but if all you know of Edgar Allan Poe is Annabelle Lee because of Holes, we need to have a talk. Telltale Heart's the best one. Uh, disagree. The Raven. It's a talking raven. Dude, I don't know what the fuck he was on at that point, but there's no talking raven. All he was on probably alcohol. a lot of things. It, yeah, it's a lot of things. And also, the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket, which is just a real mouthful for someone who's from a place that doesn't pronounce R's real very... Like, you went with Arthur for the first name on that. I was Why? laughing at what you were saying. Why? There's a lot of R's. We don't do them. We're not good. It's not a strong point. Anyway. Um, so Virginia dies of consumption in January of 1847 and so that's 12 years after they're married so she would have been 25 so she would have been like our age she lived a full life yeah she was married for 12 years pretty good back then I mean consumption takes anyone it wants (laughs) just this I wrote Poe drank even more of just all the alcohol in response to this um, biographers and critics often suggest that the frequent theme of the death of a beautiful woman in Poe's work stems from the repeated loss of women throughout his life, which includes his wife, which rhymes. And now it's got me thinking of Family Guy. I'm just thinking he was playing a really fun drinking game all by himself where he just drank anytime he was sad, which is not what you're supposed to do. I may have missed that memo. <laughs> Don't drink the sadness away. <laughs> it does not work. It doesn't work. Anyway, where was I? Fuck. Okay. Um, so he's increasingly unstable after his wife's death, as one is. You know, your wife dies of 12 years. She finally is legal to do things. You haven't had that much fun. You're kind of old. Your body's probably dying from your alcoholism as it is. You keep getting out of the army. If she's 25 when she dies, it's 13 years, so he would have been 38. So, like, he wasn't that old, but all the alcohol and shit probably wasn't helping with the upkeep of his physical body. I'm sure he ate a healthy paleo diet. (laughs) Oh, definitely. He probably works out every day. Have you ever seen, I think it's a meme of Edgar Allan Poe's, it's like a picture of him, and just says, do you even lift Poe? (laughs) I'm just like... You know, he just lifted ravens. He was just lifting ravens. (laughs) Just curling angry, squawking birds. Yeah, he's just lifting Casso Montalato. Just like doing some squats. I feel like he read that too. How did I forget that? It's where he he tricks a man with wine and then breaks him up in a wall. I mean, can we just take a second to talk about how fucked up the fall of the House of Usher is? I mean, realistically, all of Poe's shit is just like there once was this really pretty early teenage girl and she died. A bad shit happened. My favorite one is the one about disease. I mean, where they're hiding from the us. plague. Oh, okay. I don't know. I like Annabelle Lee because it's, like, memorable. And again, there is this really beautiful, just barely pubescent girl who gets real sick. And her family took her away. And now I'm sad. <laughs> again, there's a theme here. It's not just us who noticed it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find it. 
Oh, the mask of red death. That's my favorite one because they're all trying to hide from the plague and they keep running and running. There's this guy with the red mask and the red mask is plague and the plague is in the house. <laughs> Did it make the phone call? Is that what happened? The phone was, the call was coming from inside the house. I'm so confused what's happening. You're not making human noises. <laughs> I'm glad to know that's an old trope that fucking everyone's taking. I mean, who was the master of that, though? There wasn't copyright. Copyright's yeah, new. Kind of bit him in the butt, too. Um, I talked about that in his publishing career. Because, like, the publishers would buy up the really cheap stuff from the UK. Mm-hmm. And they published that, and no one was buying American-written stuff, because it was more expensive. So, after his wife dies, he attempts... The wording is, he attempted to court poet Sarah Helen Whitman. Uh, she lived in Providence, Rhode Island. But was she not up for his shit? Their engagement failed, mostly because of his drinking and erratic behavior, and also her mother probably intervened and derailed the relationship. Good for that mom! Right? She was like, not today. Um, he then returns Not today, to drunky Raven. Not today and never more. So he returns to Richmond and gets back with his childhood sweetheart, Sarah Myra Royster. That's so a full name. It's it's something. Um and then it just says on October third, eighteen forty nine, so two years after his wife is dead, he is found delirious on the streets of Baltimore. Quote, in great distress and in need of immediate assistance, which is according to Joseph W. Walker, who's the one who found him. Post taken to the Washington Medical College where he dies on Sunday, October 7th at like five in the morning. And all of that time, which is four days, he was mm-hmm. never coherent long enough to explain how he got to be in that condition and uh, oddly was wearing clothes that were not his own. Um, Sounds like a normal drunk person. It makes me think of that Panic at the Disco song where it says, don't threaten me with a good time. Or they're talking about, you know, wake up with, um, how does it go? I don't know. Anyway, that's what I always think of when I read that part. I'm like, oh, Panic at the Disco. All right. So he's said to repeatedly have called out the name Reynolds the night before his death, though it is unclear to whom he was referring. Reynolds! I'm just imagining him talking about Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> so he's calling out this name Reynolds. And some people say that Poe's final words were, Lord, help my poor soul. Except that all medical records have been lost, including his death certificate. And in parentheses, again, all caps. How? How does Is that happen? Is he not dead? I think he's a zombie. I think that's probably. Is he hanging out with Tupac and Elvis? Oh, yeah. No, Elvis went home if you recall, from Men in Black. So the actual cause of death remains a mystery. Speculation includes, I'm just going to rattle off this list. It's a great one. Um, delirium tremens, heart disease, epilepsy, syphilis. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> Inflammation, cholera, and rabies. Again, I could see that. You get rabies when you're curling ravens like that, and they just they don't like it. They bite you. It's a thing. Well Someone please make us a picture of how curly ravens, and if it is bonus points, if it's Sean Prasad curling the ravens. If Sean Prasad actually sends us a picture of him curling pretend ravens, I will count it as a win. I feel like that's the thing that exists at least somewhere in the internet. In a dark corner of Tumblr where they just have pictures <laughs> of him surrounded by ravens. Um, another theory dating from 1872 suggests that cooping 
was the cause of Poe's death, which is a form of electoral fraud in which citizens were forced to vote for a particular candidate, sometimes leading to violence and even murder. I put like six R's in that. I don't know why. I don't have a monocle. So the day that Edgar Allan Poe was buried, a long obituary appeared in the New York Tribune, which was signed by Ludwig. It was soon published throughout the country. By Ludwig? Yeah, it's just signed Ludwig. Um, The piece began, Edgar Allan Poe is dead, period. He died in Baltimore the day before yesterday, period. This announcement will startle many, but few will be grieved by it. (laughs) Which, in parentheses, I wrote, dick move. Um, (laughs) Ludwig was soon identified as Rufus Wilmot Griswold, an editor. I mean, it's it's the name. (laughs) An editor, critic, and anthologist who had borne a grudge against Poe since 1842. So, like... Seven years of just hating this guy. Is this a drug history? Because I think it, it is. Was, this part was on drug history, yeah. Um, Griswold somehow became Poe's literary executor, which I did not know was a thing. We did not cover that in probate law, but apparently it's a thing. Um, it sounds like a made-up thing. It's, yeah. And so he attempted to destroy his enemy's reputation after his death. Again, dick move. Direct quote. Direct quote. Poe in his grave. It's a dick move. He's just going. Why? Why? Ravens. Yeah, just never more. Ravens attack this guy all the time. He just sends a squad of like goons out, but it's really just ravens. <laughs> like like the flying monkeys in the Wizard of Oz, but it's ravens. <laughs> I'm just I just imagine someone looking up just some random someone tourist visiting Baltimore and going, There are a lot more ravens here than I would have thought. <laughs> it's just because Edgar Allan Poe is like putting He's out now a raven. Beyond, he's putting out hits from beyond the grave. He's now a raven. Like flocks, That's what happened. This flocks of ravens descending on mid eighteen hundreds Baltimore. That's why. I didn't know ravens could drink. <laughs> Well, they There's one just now. chugging some wine. Another one's off getting hammered on whiskey. They all pick a different type of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just the one tequila raven that's never quite doing what it's supposed to do. Has like three feathers sticking up on the top of its head and is like, I'm fine. I didn't get the worm. I'm fine. But he's not fine. If it's a, if it's a bird, it wants the worm. Yeah, not the tequila worm, though. I don't drink tequila for a I, very good reason. To be honest, neither do I. <laughs> but I have a good friend who loves it, so that's, that's an image for you. All right. So, <laughs> so Griswold writes this biographical article of Poe. He calls it Memoir of the Author, which he included in an 1850 volume of the collected work. He depicts Poe as depraved, drunken, drug-addled madman and <laughs> includes Poe's letters as, as um, evidence. So he's like, this guy is a dick. He's not great at life. He's a drunk. He's a druggie. And here are the receipts to prove it. I mean, he's not wrong, but is he going about it in a dickish way? Yeah. Could he have done all this when Poe was able to answer him? Yup. There were like seven whole years when they were alive at the same time. There were a lot more than seven years. But like, there were seven years where Griswold hated them and Poe was still alive. So probably should have done that before he died. My thought is, secretly... Griswold was like deeply in love with him, but in such deep denial that he was like, "No, I hate that guy. Fuck that guy." But that's and just my theory. And his pictures underneath his bed, and right? He's- and he's just crying. He's like, "Never more." Just sobbing. <laughs> I'm getting a really great silent pantomime of that, you guys. It's beautiful. So many of Griswold's claims were either lies or distorted half truths. 
you know, as as one does. Feel like their truths you cut in half. <laughs> in other words, fake news. It's funny how these things repeat, huh? Really does feel like an episode of the dollop right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For example, it is now known that Poe is not a drug addict. Um, he definitely was an alcoholic though. So Griswold's book was denounced by those who knew Poe well, but it became popularly became a popularly accepted book. Wow, that's worded real weird. Thanks, Wikipedia. Um, I like that they're like, we know this is wrong, but it's so trashy. It's like your guilty pleasure. You're like, you're like, I don't wanna admit that I've read it. But did you read that part on this page? It's it's <laughs> fire and fury. They're fifty shades. Yeah, I don't understand that. So it was popularly accepted, um, in part because it was the only full biography available and was widely reprinted, and in part because readers thrilled at the thought of reading works by an evil man. <laughs> That's uh, still true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, letters that Griswold presented as proof of this depiction were later revealed as forgeries. So, like, the letters that he used to say, yep, I'm right, here's why. Yeah, he did those too. Sounds about right. Yep. See, um, welcome, welcome to the time where everyone could forge shit, and people wouldn't, they try to fact check him, and it takes a while, instead of now where you're like, that doesn't seem right, or you can run machines. Because Shakespeare just got proved that he has copyright, he has, um, plagiarized, so, hey. I'm a nerd. Let's go with it. <laughs> so Poe is buried on the grounds of Westminster Hall and Burial Ground, which is now part of the University of Maryland School of Law in Baltimore. <laughs> He's just casually buried at a law school. Um, even after his death, he created controversy and mystery. Uh, he was originally buried without a headstone towards the rear corner of the churchyard near his grandfather, David Poe Sr., a headstone of white Italian marble paid for by Poe's cousin Nielsen Poe was destroyed before it reached the grave when a train derailed and plowed through the monument yard where it was being kept. So instead it was marked with a sandstone block that read number 80. <laughs> um, can we just say it seems like Poe is trying to stop his tombstone from beyond the grave? Right. He sent his flock of ravens and he was like, nope. This reminds me of Anastasia when they're like, trying to derail the train there's just a bunch of ravens yeah. like pulling yes like pecking at the stuff trying to break it <laughs> the tequila know. one's just laying in the tracks <laughs> like but why why though why <laughs> never more maybe i did get the worm you guys okay so <laughs> someone please make us a squad or a flock of drunk a flock of raven and just the tequila raven just like one one wing up on its forehead with his little three feathers he goes maybe i got the worm so in 1873 southern poet paul hamilton hayne visited poe's grave and published a newspaper article describing its poor condition and suggesting a more appropriate monument which i'm sorry but even after he's dead he's still disappointing people that's just like me cool i feel yeah that is the nightmare right there <laughs> it's me disappointing my parents one day at a time all right, Tequila Raven, tone it down. I'm not Tequila Raven, I'm Whiskey Raven. We all know this. This is true. Okay, so Sarah Sigourney Rice, a teacher in Baltimore's public schools, took advantage of renewed interest in Poets Gravesite and personally solicited for funds. Um, how did she solicit? I see you're shimmying and I reject it. It's not, no, that's not how she did it. Even if she did, fuck you. She did it for a good cause. Even if she didn't, fuck you. It's her choice. All right. 
I'm not going to shame her. I just was assuming you said soliciting, and that's where my mind went. (laughs) So you're saying it says a lot more about you than it does about her. Yeah, it actually does. All right. She even had some of her elocutions get public performance to raise money. All right, so maybe she did do a little shimmying. I don't know. Never more. Never more, Raven. Okay. All right. Public performances to raise money. I'm still, I'm still picturing Tequila Raven in the front going, yeah. Some Turrican. <laughs> okay. I'm getting hung up on Tequila Raven. I'm loving Tequila Raven. It's a lot of emotion for a character I made up. <clears throat> not even, yeah, not even a great one. Arguably a self-destructive one. So it was pretty successful. Because a lot of people in Baltimore and throughout the United States contributed. Um, And the final $650 came from Philadelphia publisher and philanthropist George William Child. Which I apparently should know who that is. But I'm going to be honest, I really don't. Uh, They're a wealthy family. Well, I got that. But I mean, like... They're, like, on par with the the, uh, Rockefellers and stuff. But they're just in a different community, so you don't hear about them. And they're in Philadelphia. Yeah. And they're just angry in Philadelphia, so... You know what? I'm angry at Philadelphia, so that's fine. Fuck the Eagles. Anyway, (laughs) the new monument was designed by architect George A. Frederick and built by Colonel Hugh Sisson and included a medallion of Poe by the artist Albert Volk. Great name. It's a very German name. Wait, do you want to know what my my possible German name would be? Yes. Clan. K-L-A-N. Classy. Any particular kind of clan or just, just clan? It's German. We're going to go with that. We're going to stop with that because I'm going to say something that I don't want on the internet. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. And I, I know, know exactly what you're going to say. You're going to goat me into it. Not going to do it. Uh, I'm going to goat you into it or goad you into it. <laughs> you're not sure. <laughs> All right. Poe was reburied October 1st, 1875 at a new location close to the front of the church. A uh, celebration. Yeah, he's moving up in the world. <laughs> celebration was held at the dedication of the new tomb on November 17th. I don't know why it took them a month and a half to have the celebration, but okay. They had to make sure everything was pretty. They had to determine if they were going to move him again. They had to make sure the monument was right. They had to make snacks. Oh, if I had kept reading, I would answer my own damn question. So, <laughs> his original burial spot was marked with a large stone donated by Orange Painter, though it was originally placed in the wrong spot. So that's why. <laughs> um, probably unknown to the reburial crew. This is a quote from Wikipedia. Um, the headstones on all the graves, which had been previously facing to the east, had been turned to face the west gate in 1864. I don't know why. Don't make the why hands at me. I don't know. Oh, because the sun sets in the west. I just thought about that. God damn, that is poetic. All right, we're going with it. So the crew digging up Poe's remains had difficulty finding the right body. They first exhumed a 19-year-old Maryland militiaman named Philip Mosher Jr. because they dug on the wrong side of the fucking headstone because they didn't realize it had been turned. Um, Wait, can we please talk about that? They're like, like how awkward it is. They're digging up the body. Right, they're like, like, man, this sucks. And then they pop open that coffin. They're like, you're fucking kidding me because it's not him. Um, Do they have to go to the family and be like, so... I'm pretty sure they just didn't say anything. But I mean, I guess they must have because it's on Wikipedia. We're sorry. We accidentally dug up your son. We did not realize they had turned. So remember that one guy that we all kind of really shat on when he first died and also when he was alive. But now 
Like, we kind of like him. Well, we are going to move him. But it turns out there was a thing and we kind of exhumed your son. Sorry, have a great life. I'm also, assuming we've been that's attacked by looks. a lot of ravens. <laughs> just, just so many. So many ravens. <laughs> One has been drunk the whole time. It keeps stealing our sh- our, <laughs> keeps stealing our beer. We don't know what's going on. Talking about a worm. We don't know. Uh, we assume it's bird stuff, but maybe not. All right. So it says when they current when they finally correctly located Poe, they opened his coffin, and one witness noted the skull was in excellent condition. The shape of the forehead, one of Poe's striking features, was easily discerned. So they pretty much realized that they dug up the wrong guy because they're like, no, his forehead's not deceased enough. He's so, not preserved by all that alcohol. Insult to injury. Also, he doesn't have a weird bone. All right. Like, how big was his forehead? Because I have a big-ass forehead. Look at this. I mean, he pretty much had a five head. Look I'm going to go with he probably had a six head. No, I don't think it was. I mean, he wasn't, like, deformed, but he was, he did have quite the forehead on I him. I have a forehead. but my whole fingers on there. Not a five head. Not quite a five. I have, like, a three and a half head, so... Anyway, a few years, so a few years later, the remains of his wife Virginia were moved to the spot as well. And in parentheses, I was like, she was probably thrilled to be an afterthought. Um, she was it, probably hoping to be forgotten. Right? That's she was like, life. no, no, what? No. In 1875, the Sam, Sem- I swear to God, I'm not fucked up. Like I took a Zyrtec. That's it. All right. 1875, the cemetery where Virginia lay was destroyed, and she had no kin to claim her remains. This part's real creepy. William Gill, an early Poe biographer, gathered her bones and stored them in a box he hid under the bed. I'm going to shout that for emphasis. Um, creepy. Under his bed. Why? You know what? You know what? At least he didn't put them back together like that dude in Florida who, like, kept the girl preserved in his plane. <laughs> and they're pretty sure he fucked her. Good point. It, it's a dollop. I remember. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I did it, but I do. This episode is not brought to you by the dollop. They don't know we exist. Say you're a guy. <laughs> like stole a body and preserved it so you could, because you thought you married it. And so you could fuck it. And you had a plane that didn't fly. I think you missed the dollop reference. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just call Talk Talkspace. Talk Talk Talkspace does not sponsor. Talk space but if you would like to, please you. contact us. Yeah, really. We would like things. We will target it at a greater audience than just the one dude. Although it is really funny when they target it at the one dude. Okay. So, so Virginia's remains were finally buried with her husband's on January 19th, 1885, the 76th anniversary of her husband's birth. And nearly 10 years after his present monument was erected, George W. Spence, the man who served as sexton during Poe's original burial, as well as his exhumation and reburial, attended the rites that brought his body to rest with Virginia and Virginia's mother, Maria Clum. So... Wait, did Maria outlive them all? I don't know. It doesn't say. It doesn't say when she died, just that she did. Okay. It's a fairly logical conclusion. Um, so yeah, not only was she hanging out in some dude's bedroom for a long time under his bed for 10 fucking years in a box, then she has to go be reunited with her husband who's 13 years older than her for the rest of eternity. Like, I don't know which one is worse, realistically. At least she knew, uh, well, I guess at least she knew Edgar. So there's that. Do you think she haunted the dude who kept her in a box under his bed? Oh, absolutely. Every night she was probably like hovering over him in bed going, let me go. Why? Stop it. She, she turns out at the end of the day she was secretly the one in charge of the flock of ravens and it was not Edgar all along like he was resting peacefully and all along it was just Virginia 
putting it off on him. He was the drunk Ravens. <laughs> Edgar Edgar was tequila Raven all along, and Virginia was in charge the whole time. Boom. Yeah. You're welcome, Hollywood. Have fun making that movie. So yeah, that's what I have for you today. I'm pretty sure the house he like lived in for a while was haunted. It's still there. Is it haunted? I think I it's think haunted. So. It's in Long Island right now, I think. <laughs> There's what like the a cabin. fuck? It's like the cabin that Virginia died in. I'm pretty sure it's it's in maybe it's Baltimore. I don't know. There was a picture of it on Wikipedia, but I don't remember what the address said. There's definitely an address with it though. The Baltimore one I think is haunted, but I also think people like go there and they're like, oh, this is why I was mad. It was a very tiny house. I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's small. I feel like people. <sighs> I feel like it's the case with a lot of hauntings. People go somewhere expecting it to be haunted, and then, like, their brain is, like, coming through for them with, like, stuff that's not actually a haunting. But they're like, yup, all these things add up, haunted. And then yes. they just stamp it. Approve. They have a stamp? I want to yeah. see that stamp. Yep. Yeah. We have an awesome promo from Dark Poutine. Whom we love. Yeah, best best podcast, friend, podcast friends. The Halifax Explosion episode. Listen to it. It's oh, fantastic. it's excellent. So good. Yeah. They actually have some good sound effects on that. I'm kind of jealous. I know. I'm not going to lie. We're not on that level. (laughs) Dark Poutine is Mike and Scott, and they're awesome. So go listen to them. It's a great idea. Also, if you can find some poutine while you listen to them, bonus. Bonus points. better. You should send them a picture of that. (laughs) I'm sure no one's done that before. Or some bagged milk. (laughs) All the Canadian things I know. Or some Tim Horton. Just an apology. And we're sorry as well, because that was some some stereotypical bullshit we just said. (laughs) Okay, so here's their promo. Have you been bludgeoned to death with Ted Bundy stories? Are you choking on too many Hillside Strangler podcast episodes? As awesome as those are, cleanse your palate and add something new to your true crime diet. Why not try some Dark Poutine, a podcast from north of the 49th parallel? We cover Canadian crimes and dark histories. Some of the stories you may know nothing about, but they beg to be told. And, with Canada being the biggest, small country on the planet, we even have personal connections to some of the crimes and history we chat about. Join two real live Canadians every week as we serve up another helping of dark poutine. We are substantially creepy, sometimes meaty, always cheesy, but very rarely sorry. So come on up north and fill your ears with some dark poutine. So go listen to Dark Poutine. I'm catching up and I'm not regretting it at all. Uh, it sounded so sarcastic, but it really wasn't. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm enjoying it immensely. I was listening to it right before while well, setting up my recording tent. Um, if you'd like to see a picture of my recording tent, I can put that on Instagram. It's, it's beautiful. There's a stereo involved. Yeah. It's nice. It's not even a stereo. It's a boombox. It is. It's straight up Straight 90s. out of the 90s. <laughs> it's, oh, it's beautiful. Okay. So thank you for listening to The Cult of Domesticity. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Chorus, Spotify, and Podbean. If we're not on your preferred app, let us know so we can fix that. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or your whatever listening app you use to help spread the word. You can check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Domestic Podcast and at the Cult of Domesticity on Instagram to get the ins- to get the episode tip-off, recipe of the week, and additional information about the week's topics. If you would like to suggest a recipe or topic, email us at domesticpodcast at gmail.com. 
also now we're on youtube so that's right you, should, you can check us out there if you want to watch with pictures we've been having lots of fun they're almost all up i believe um so yeah thanks and high five high five tequila raven forever